This is episode 21 with Mayan Gordon of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most brilliant minds in business and entrepreneurship so you can learn how to maintain success, enjoy its rewards and take it to the next level. Together, we break down all of the myths, legends, struggles and insights behind what it takes for you to join this tribe of successful entrepreneurs to grow and stay ahead of the pack. I'm your host, Joel Ong of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast, and welcome to the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast. My name is Joel, and I'm the host for this show. I'm also the founder and video strategist at Tape Your Time, and we are a video production agency that uh, does, you know, marketing content, uh, strategy, uh, coupled with, you know, helping businesses and brands to communicate their essence more authentically online um, so that they can build closer relationships and grow their business. So today's guest, her name is Mayan, and she's a 28-year-old TikTok consultant, branding expert, glass artist, which is pretty cool, you'll hear more about it later. Um, she's also a business owner and also uh, finally social media influencer. And she consults brands on um, how to grow them, um, creating a larger and more impactful online and offline presence online. And she has 10 years of experience behind her belt, both as a business operator and also um, as an internet marketer. So, you know, um, she started straight out of college. She started in freelance copywriting um, and then she then did graphic design creating logos and uh, uh, websites for brands and businesses. Um, and then you'll hear more about the story of how she then later transitioned into glassblowing. Um, and then she started Monkey Boy Art, which is her glassblowing business. Uh, huge success in the first couple of years, you know, selling and making over half a million in revenue. Um, and then through doing this, she talks about how she allocates her time, uh, things she makes business, business decisions on, um, uh, strategic decisions. You get to hear more about those, her thought process behind it. Um, and more recently, she has been focusing on social media, which is one of the key focuses of uh, this episode as well. You'll hear more about how she, um, she managed to grow her TikTok brand um, you know, um, which is a combined cumulative of more than 2 million followers on TikTok, which is a big, big number um, for this uh, platform that's just coming out. Um, she also is big on LinkedIn as well. So um, and she, she's, she's sharing all these strategies and uh, mindsets and um, principles that she has applied. Uh, and that she's learned across all these various platforms. So now she's looking to help businesses to uh, improve and also grow their brands in the same way. Um, and she's also trying to grow her personal brand. So you hear more about those things. You know, we talked about how, you know, how she started, how she managed to scale and grow up the monkey boy art business. Uh, we talk about some of the key business decisions that she has made as well. Um, how she views and looks at stuff that's working well on TikTok in, uh, especially. So, um, and she also talks about where it's heading towards uh, both for marketing and e-commerce. So you get to hear more about those things. And um, if you enjoyed these episodes, please do leave a review, subscribe, share this around with your friends and family. Um, and, you know, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to this, I really appreciate if you could give us a review, um, you know, write some comments and stuff like that so that, um, you know, uh, more people could be able to, uh, to listen to this content. Um, and without further ado, let's welcome Mayan Gordon. 
So Mayan, um, could you tell us how did you end up doing what you do today? Yeah, so it's been kind of a very long journey. It hasn't been a very linear path, I would say. Um, and it all started, I would say, with my interest in just computers and the ability that computers had to connect people and find things in the world. So I got my first laptop when I was 12, 13 years old and um, just kind of started really exploring online and searching things and, you know, learning about um, all the different information that there was on on the internet. Um, And from there kind of grew and developed, you know, various fascinations from there um, with social media, um, with, you know, email marketing, with all these different things that are going on online. Um, but with my glass blowing business, really had something to practice all these different skill sets with, um, especially in social media. And kind of, you know, that led me into TikTok. And now with TikTok, I've kind of blown up a, a very big audience. And that's also led me to, you know, a success on LinkedIn. And here I am today. <laughs> <laughs> and you're very young, right? Mayan? Like, um, how old are you this year? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, 28 years old. So definitely still very young. Um, I feel like I'm just really, really getting started. <laughs> so you started when you were even younger. Like, um, I mean, um, you know, what were some of the challenges or obstacles? I mean, um, you know, was, uh, was your youth a challenge? Yeah, I would say, you know, being young is always a challenge. Um, mostly, I would say in the mindset of you think you're, you're smarter than you are, you know, <laughs> the, the older you get and the wiser you get, the more you realize how little you know. Um, and when you're kind of in that young go-getter phase, um, you, you think you know a lot more than you do. Um, and so you tend to make a lot more mistakes than, um, you know, when you're older and a little bit more wiser. So, I think that was my major disadvantage, not so much like people seeing me as, as being too young as being a disadvantage, but more just kind mm-hmm. of like the, the mindset that um, came along with, with my youth um, being impatient and um, a little bit, you know, more, more confident than my skill set maybe, you know, should have allowed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So could, could you share, could you share more about that? I mean, um, some of the pitfalls. Uh, I understand you were you were a copywriter before that when you first started. So, um, how did that affect, um, you know, your ability to work with people, especially you know, uh, who are of course much older, more much more experienced than you. I mean, uh, in terms of that, because I feel it's not, it's not just youth that have this issue. Um, of course, youth the younger you are, the more prone you are to, um. To, to thinking you know it all or that you know something. Um, but it happens to all of us across yeah, yeah. You know, all ages, right? So, I mean, from that perspective, I think it's valuable to, to share. Um, so, just wondering, like, when you, when you started, like, what were some of these pitfalls? Yeah, so um, I, think, I think part of it um, came from being in the midst of this technology shift that's been really happening you know, pretty hard in the past 20, 30 years. And if you really look at the landscape of, you know, from electricity being, you know, kind of like a beginning stage of of technology up till, you know, the internet and now it's happening um, in AI and voice and just kind of all these more really advanced things. um, 
you know, I grew up when the internet was really kind of just getting going and like websites were really developing in terms of their features and capabilities. Um, yep. And so that gave me kind of this confidence of like, oh, I'm, I'm smarter than these old people. Um, and I think this is probably a very common theme for, for younger people is who feel that they maybe are, you know, are a little bit smarter or know a little bit more than um, the older generations because they understand the technologies a little bit better. Um, but I think lack of experience just in general um, is, you know, a pitfall for, for knowledge. Like there's no experience or there's no knowledge like you get from actual experience. Um, reading is great and talking with people can be incredibly valuable, um, it, but nothing's like, you know, that firsthand experience that you get. Um, and so just not having that, I think as much when I was younger, really mm -hmm. was a disadvantage compared to now having um, really gone through a lot of different circumstances in business very much firsthand. Um, it gives you a completely new perspective than you would really be able to have um, not having experienced it. So I, see. Yeah. I think for, for a lot of people who are, you know, worried about kind of that pitfall, just try a lot of different things. Um, whether or not you're going to be very successful at doing that thing, the experience from it is undoubtedly going to be useful for whatever your, you know, end goal is. Mm. And and if you if you were to you know do it again or do it differently, um, you know what would what would be some of the things you'd change? I mean, I'm seeing in terms of perspective of let's say if we have a younger listener who's listening to this, you know, um, what would be some of the the avenues or, or things that you have at least experimented with that uh, could allow them to have more opportunities to acquire more experience uh, not just knowledge or also from the perspective of let's say if it's someone older who's listening to this who perhaps you know have uh, a person on their team uh, an employee or you know whoever that may be who is much younger and you know wants to groom them train them uh, communicate with them better um, in that perspective, you know, uh, if they are looking, okay, how can I groom or provide opportunities for for these people to have uh, more experience? So from that two kind of perspectives, um, you know, if you were to do it again, um, what would be some things you would do differently to, you know, make up for your lack of experience or at least train or, you know, try to soak up as much as possible? Yeah, so I think that's a really great question, first of all. And I think the answer to that would, for me, would be kind of two parts. Um, the first part would be to focus more on one particular skill set that I thought I could grow in value. Um, so I think for me, it would have been writing, um, it, not necessarily copywriting. Maybe it would have been some other type of writing. I think there's a, a mm -hmm. lot of different styles um, of writing that can be really valuable if you develop them to a really high level. Um, and then the second thing in combination with that to, to really get the value out of that would have been networking at a much kind of younger age. I, I was really, really a shy person um, growing up, up until I would say even just a couple years ago. Um, and so I didn't start really doing any type of in-person networking um, or community building, uh, you know, up until then. And so it was all, you know, from my laptop behind a screen, which is really great, but I think there's a huge amount of power with um, in-person networking and just like kind of meeting, meeting people in person and discussing things and building connections and support systems for yourself. 
Mm. And and you you are particularly adept at building community, despite you know you you've been uh you've been only growing it for a couple of years, right? I mean, uh, you have a you have a pretty big following on socials. I mean, obviously, uh, it's not a you know one trick pony because it takes uh quite a lot of time to build and groom and develop like such a such a group of people who. Uh, are supportive of what you do so could you talk to us about that I want to segue into that you know what were some of the principles that you have abided by you know throughout these uh, 10 years um, of being in business uh, what were some of the things that didn't change that you know were um, you know foundational principles that you still live by that uh, you know probably have resulted in, in in where you are today yeah yeah definitely so um what, the very first thing would be just putting people first. Um, that kind of the core thing that I really believe makes life kind of amazing is other people. Um, it's not really, you know, the, the material things, although material things are very pleasurable um, and very nice to have. Um, it's sharing those things with other people that I think we really get, um, gives us happiness. And so I really kind of always have focused around ways that we can either connect between each other um, or help each other out in a mutually beneficial way. Because in, invariably, when you help someone, you're helping yourself. Um, and I really kind of believe that to my core. Um, the second thing, which is a combination thing, would be learn and share. So I've, I've always loved learning but I've also always really loved sharing what I learned. Um, and that's been something that I think really builds community because there's nothing almost more valuable than, than knowledge. Um, and being able to share that is not just a gift, but it's something that really builds, I think, a strong bond between people. Um, a lot of times when you, you know, talk to entrepreneurs or you listen to different podcasts um, like this one, you'll hear people talk about, you know, a, a really important teacher in their life um, who can mm. change their whole life. And I think that that's because there's a very, very powerful bond that's created when you share knowledge and information and learning with other people. Yeah, um, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, right? Because yeah, please there's, do. Probably, there's probably some people who have a different mindset towards it. You know, they're like, um, uh, I've, uh, I mean, in the perspective of, let's say, you know, um, I'm very tight with my information, right? Or the right. knowledge, you know, I've spent this much effort, time and energy and resources to acquire this harder knowledge. And now, you know, you're asking me to, to share this around freely with people. I mean, from my perspective, um, it's, it's kind of like a scarcity kind of mindset versus more abundant where it's like, okay, if I, if I share this around and teach someone, I, I learn it twice over. And um, now I have a deeper understanding of the knowledge because it's one thing to know it, it's a different thing to teach it, right? So, I mean, from that kind of perspective, if it's someone who's cynical about what you're saying, um, what would you, how would you respond? Yeah, so I definitely think it's a, in general a mindset issue. Um, and where, where my kind of abundance mindset really specifically applies to that situation is in abundance of ideas. I believe that the brain is so insanely powerful that like, I think it's crazy we don't talk about it in regular conversation. We talk about like how amazing computers are and our brain mm -hmm. is like, you know, 
million times more powerful than the most powerful supercomputer. Um, and so I think that our, our ability to generate new ideas is infinite. And when you share your ideas that you're currently holding, um, not only do you kind of open up your own brain to generate new ideas, but you also give someone else the opportunity to assist you in generating new ideas. So from my personal firsthand experience, there's been lots of times when I've been kind of sharing an idea that I thought was a really good new innovative idea. So like kind of, you know, a trade secret. Um, like mm -hmm. you're kind of speaking about in terms of, let's say, social media or like with TikTok. Like, let's say, yeah, yeah. you know, I figured out something about the TikTok algorithm. Um, I just figured out I've maybe applied it to one, you know, one to three videos. Um, so I could, you know, tap into it more and like hold on to it um, if you had that scarcity mindset. But instead, if I share it right away and this has happened, um, usually it's in a conversational setting or because of the the community ability um, of, you know, social media, let's say I post it on LinkedIn, I can get comments, which in, in my mind, that's a conversation. Um, those comments will generate an entirely new idea that is even better than the first one I was sharing. So it's, it's really kind of a back and forth um, and an entire ecosystem of ideas. It's not just like one, your idea, when you let it out into into kind of the universe um it gets shared amongst all the other ideas and sometimes comes back to you with something even better mm, yeah awesome um so in, in terms of in terms of that right probably that's one of the reasons from what you told me previously offhand uh, one of the reasons why you went into glass blowing right i mean your friend shared with you this idea and uh that got you into it so could you talk to us about that i mean i'm, I'm fascinated because Glassblowing is not something that I've seen around pretty in, pretty common, except, you know, maybe like when I'm touring in Venice or something, you know, where, yeah, where yeah. like these guys are demonstrating it. So yeah. uh, could you talk so, to us about that? I've always been really open to trying interesting things. I, I want to live my life um, having experienced a lot of things and tried out a lot of stuff, even, even a lot of things that I probably won't like at all. Um, and when I was doing um, graphic design and stickers and making t-shirts as, as my business, I was doing it for a lot of different glass artists. And it, it just happened this way because I, I made some for one glass artist and all their friends were glass artists and they referred them. And it just from referrals kind of ended up being that's who I was making um, these, these print designs for. And mm -hmm. And, you know, ideas just pop into my head all the time. Um, I grew up reading a lot of fiction, um, you know, kind of kids fantasy novels from um, Redwall series, which is like a, a, a book about a bunch of animals in the forest who all speak and have adventures. Um, yeah. to, you know, Artemis Fowl, which has, um, you know, lots of kind of goblins and fairies and types of things in it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I've always had just kind of lots of interesting ideas. I allow them to pop into my mind. And um, a lot of times I just go with things. Uh, there's not a lot of real thought behind how it's going to play out other than if I have a real good sense of that I'll gain value from it. So I really have kind of always based my decisions off of value um, and not a, a monetary value, but more of like a true value based off learning. Um, 
So if I think I'll, I'll gain a lot experience wise or knowledge wise, um, then I usually want to pursue something. And so trying out glass blowing to me was something where I had the opportunity to learn an entirely new kind of uh, skill set and craft and really explore within myself to see if I enjoyed this style of more abstract artwork. Um, because I tried out painting and drawing and knew that I really didn't enjoy painting and drawing. Um, but I, I, I had tried um, ceramics in high school and I really enjoyed ceramics. And so I had an idea that maybe I would enjoy glass blowing as well because it's kind of more abstract like that. Um, and, and I wanted to try that out and, you know, not pass up an opportunity um, that I might not, you know, get again otherwise. So when, when, you, when you founded Monkey Boy Art, right, um, was it just yourself then? Could you share with us your process of how did you, uh, you manage to grow it, especially in the first, uh, first three years, you know, when it's uh, still in its infancy? Yeah, so we, we started it up from, you know, complete zero. Um, and when, when we started up Monkey, and when I say we, it's me and my husband kind of together mm-hmm. did this. Um, when we started up, we called it monkey boy art instead of monkey boy glass because my husband was doing leather carving and I was doing glass blowing. So we didn't even know what, what, what the business was going to look like or turn into. Um, Mm -hmm. We, we knew that we were going to kind of commit to it for a long time because it takes a long time to build up these, these art skill sets. Um, But we both tried them out and knew that we enjoyed it enough that we wanted to make that commitment. So um, you know, Ben bought a bunch of leather tools and I bought all the glass blowing equipment. Um, there's kind of a set number of pieces of equipment that you need to do it safely. Um, yeah. And we set up in, in our house and we just started doing it every day. And it turned out that the glass blowing was the thing that just took off for us on Instagram. We started posting all of our, our pieces that we finished making um, on Instagram. And the, the leather pieces would get a lot of attention and a lot of love, but people wanted to buy the glass pieces. And so we quickly saw that there was just really, really a huge um, opportunity in terms of being able to sell these kind of um, 10 to $20 glass pieces in the smoking accessories um, category. So specifically, um. specifically dabbing accessories. And if you don't know what dabbing is, um, me and my husband live in Spokane, Washington, which is a uh, legal state. So they sell cannabis just in a store, like a grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost. It's very, very casual. Um, yeah. And dabbing is what you do with marijuana concentrate. So normal marijuana is like a flower type of bud. Um, and yeah. then concentrate is like a sticky kind of wax or oil. And so you have to use different like tools and accessories. You don't pick it up with your fingers because um, mm-hmm. it's very sticky. So we would make these little accessories and sell them for 10 to $20. And people were just buying them as, as fast as we could make them. So it really was that we discovered a, a great niche and market opportunity that other people weren't filling. And that's what made it into a good, successful business more than anything. Um, the Our ability to do that, though, was entirely facilitated by Instagram and the platform's um, ability to kind of push out our content, which is why I'm so excited about TikTok now, um, because it's pushing out content at a much better, um, you know, reach than Instagram ever was for me before. So that, you know, 
that's how I kind of view it in context of what Instagram did for me um, in terms of the you know opportunity that I think TikTok has. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, it's almost so. So you're not doing you're not doing the ladder the ladder work anymore, right? I mean, it's just completely glass blowing now. So yeah, I'm not doing any type of um, graphic design work anymore, anything like that. Um, the glass blowing, I would say, in the past couple months has actually shifted to be my secondary uh, focus, and my main focus is more on my TikTok account. Um, I also manage two other TikTok accounts and then putting out content and kind of growing my personal brand through mm-hmm. um, just delivering value because I have the the financial opportunity to do that now because of TikTok. Um, yeah. Whereas before with the glass blowing business, even when it was doing really, really well, because I had to make all of the pieces and ship out all of the pieces and sell all yeah. of the pieces, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been able to also at that same time put out really valuable content. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that I'm able to kind of shift my focus to do that because it'll allow me to um, not only build my brand, but take on some business that is more profitable in a way where I can then reinvest back into my glassblowing business in a way that's more efficient. So it's all kind of, it's all kind of connected, even though um, none of it's really related to, to each other. Mm. So, so, so to free up your time, uh, essentially you, you, you hire more glassblowers right now, right? I mean, you probably have a team to ship out that, that volume of stuff. I was about to ask you, like, how, how did you manage to, you know, if you're selling it at 10, $20 a piece, um, you know, you probably have to sell quite a lot and make quite a lot. So, um, did, uh, did you expand your team? I mean, hire more glass blowers or, you know, how, how did you scale it up? So, yeah, we, we experimented with a couple different things. Um, at first we hired someone kind of in-house, um, and that worked out well, but also had some issues. Um, and then we also did a lot of wholesale from, other artists. Um, so we never had like a big team in-house um, just because there's a lot of different build out logistics for that. Um, but but we did at one point have quite a few other artists that we were purchasing wholesale and then reselling from. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that I think we'd like to go back to. It does just kind of require um, a really strong marketing setup. And what we had been doing through Instagram is not really a good option anymore. Um, so, so we're kind of currently figuring out a new marketing strategy that that really involves TikTok more um, and some some new social channels as well. Um, I think I really want to kind of utilize Pinterest um, in 2020 with the glass blowing because it's it's a really great visual um, social platform that is underutilized for a lot of businesses. So I'm interested yeah. to explore that. Yeah, actually, uh, there was a previous guest, uh, Jocelyn, I think you know her, um, who's also on TikTok, who mentioned this, like how um, TikTok is actually helping her to get a, almost like a mirror duplicate audience on Pinterest. And uh, that and, and it's, uh, it's a much easier sell on that platform. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really, I think people should experiment with more platforms because it's amazing how different 
um, ones can be for particular businesses. So there, you know, one platform might just be so much easier to sell on than a different platform based on your, your niche or industry. And there's no like rule of thumb, like, Oh, you know, TikTok's better or Facebook's better. Um, I really do think that it's very industry specific and it doesn't even necessarily have to do with like the features of the platform. A lot of times I think it has to do with the community that's kind of been built within the platform. So I know for me with glass blowing, the reason that when we kind of, you know, popped onto Instagram and did well right away is because there already were a bunch of other glass blowers that were doing auctions, that were posting their work, that had kind of created this um, community of, of fans and followers who were really interested and wanted and were looking for these glass pieces. Um, if we had, you know, come in and that hadn't existed, it would have been a lot more difficult. Mm. So, um, so for for TikTok, right? Let's say, um, suppose I have a brand or I own a, a community, um, and I want to, you know, enter the TikTok space and experiment and see if this is a good platform to stay on, right? Right. Um, right. You know, what's the, you know, is is there a, like a like a reference period of time that I need to experiment, you know, is it like, okay, uh, is it a quantity issue, right? Because sometimes some things just don't kick off, yeah, but it yeah. doesn't mean that. And, yeah. and how do I access that community or even know if it's there, you know, or if it's there. Right, you know? right. No, th- those are great questions. Cause I think those are kind of the key questions for um, anyone, but especially a business to ask for any platform that they're looking at. Um, because it, it is a lot of, you know, time dedication when you're, you're doing these things and you want to be spending your time in the best way possible as a business owner and just kind of like a human being in general. Um, and so with TikTok specifically, I've noticed just from working on um, the two accounts that are my accounts that I own, plus two other accounts that I'm managing, um, that it takes roughly three months for you to start really gaining traction Um, If you're going to quit before three months, you're not ever really going to have known if it would have worked for you. Um, I would say three months is the minimum. Six months is a really kind of good time frame to let you know if if you're going to, you know, be using it well or if it's working well for your business. Um, I don't necessarily think longer than that um, is necessary to give you a good idea, but there is a quantity, um, you know, number as well so like if you're only posting three posts in six months that's not going to work out very well um i i would say between 100 and 200 um videos is where you should start to be able to kind of get an idea of how well it's doing for your your industry or vertical or business um that's that's from my my experience Mm -hmm. i see i see and um and and when you when you first experimented with TikTok, right? I mean, of course, you started from scratch. So when right. you first experimented with TikTok, um, what proportion of your time or you know resources as a, as a business owner did you decide to allocate to you know uh, trying to grow this TikTok or see if it works? And then you know, did you increase it later on? I mean, of course, right now is your main focus. Uh, you know, could you talk to us about the process? I mean, when you started, is it like, you know, 10% and then uh, you start to increase it if you start to see um, good signs and and returns and stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly how I operate Um, is when I started out, it was probably like, yeah, 10% 10 of it being actual business focused, paying attention work. 
um, and like posting. And then um, maybe like another 10% goofing around on it because I was just kind of interested to see what it was all about. Um, and, you know, it sucks you in a little bit. So, you know, I'd, I'd spend a little bit of time on it each day, um, just seeing what other people were posting. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then when it changed was when I got the, the first viral video, um, it, I immediately increased kind of the amount of time I spent on it in a business aspect to, to like 20%. So it probably doubled. Um, and then I would say as I started getting more viral videos that hit, um, it increased to maybe let's say 30% and kind of stayed there for, uh, a month or two while at the same time I hopped onto LinkedIn and started producing content on there. Um, and then it grew to maybe like 40% slash 50% when I started getting paid, um, and monetizing the channel. So, um, obviously, you know, where, where I'm making money is going to draw some of my attention and focus, um, as a, as a business operator and owner, that's always something that you kind of have to pay attention to. Um, Mm -hmm. but also the, the potential and the opportunity that is in it, um, is really kind of where where it's drawing my attention and, and time on it from is, um, again, comparatively to how well Instagram's done for me financially um, and the numbers that I've had on Instagram, which on Instagram I have uh, 43,000 followers on one account and 38,000 on another account. Um, so incredibly small compared to, you know, 1.7 million. Um, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time on TikTok because of, of that kind of factor. Um, so in, in terms of TikTok, for people who are not familiar with the platform, um, what would you know, indicate to you that such a, such a video has turned viral, right? Um, in terms of a TikTok's perspective, um, you know, currently right now. Yeah, I would say if it does either more than a million views, um, if it continues to grow for more than two weeks, because some some that's something unique on TikTok is a video can just continue growing in numbers for weeks, if not months on end, um, or if it's getting you know five thousand plus comments. Uh, to me, those are all signs that it went viral. Mm, awesome, and um, and in terms of you know, because I understand like on Instagram having even you know close to cumulative. 80,000 audience on Instagram is sizable, especially, you know, since now, you know, I mean, um, I'm aware of, you know, some influencers with minimum like 10K, right? Some some brands or yeah, um, yeah, hotels definitely. require 10K and, and they get like, a, you know, an equivalent value of, you know, a couple thousand dollars USD. So, you know, it's quite sizable. Um, in terms of that, I mean, uh, the numbers may be smaller on Instagram, uh, but in terms of the returns, because it's much more, popular or mainstream right now right um the returns might be higher so on tiktok i mean in terms of in terms of that um do you see where do you see it heading towards because obviously you're you're uh, you're a leader on the platform so um and it's and it's still growing it's in the early phases it's not as mature as instagram right now um so where, where do you see it heading towards Yeah, so I see kind of two things um, happening. One is at some point they're going to be releasing, you know, more e-commerce features, which is going to allow people to, you know, add more direct, you know, monetary value to the influencer campaigns that they're doing and whatever type of promotion that they're doing. 
Um, at the same time, I think people are going to continue to push the creative envelope in terms of marketing and selling and um, find new and creative ways to be really effective with their marketing on TikTok to have really direct sales results. And, and last question, um, how do people get in contact with you? If you want to find out more, uh, check out your accounts online. Yeah, absolutely. So the best way is probably through LinkedIn right now. Um, my name is M-A-A-Y-A-N, last name G-O-R-D-O-N. Another way is just kind of directly through email, which is monkeyboyarts with an S at gmail.com. Um, my TikTok handle is World of Glass, and my Instagram handles are Monkey Boy Art and Monkey Boy Glass. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Head over to video.sell.com to download your free PDF guide and video masterclasses. And also head over to www.tapeyourtime.com T-A-P-E-Y-O-U-R-T-I-M-E.com to request for a free strategy call with me to see how I can help you grow your business through video. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, be sure to subscribe and support us. So once again, I want to appreciate you and thank you for listening in because you have a unique story and more people need to hear it. Talk to you soon.